0: Colors of Memory was an international conference on the writing of Jeff Dyer. In the following presentation, Morgan Daniels stepped slightly away from directly discussing the author's work to consider the fascinating proposition: What color was the 1990s? Um, so there are two things I want to preface this uh, with. The first uh, is Edmund Wilson in his book, his 1940 book. Uh, on on the writing of history um, to the Finland Station, in which he's, he's talking about Michelet, who uh, he wrote his big books about the history of France, uh, I think coined the word Renaissance. Right? Um, and Edwin Wilson writes that the two principal problems which confronted Michelet in writing history in such a way as to render the organic character of society... Um, well, there, was, there were two. There was one, uh, was the nerve-trying task of fusing disparate materials, of indicating the interrelations between uh, diverse forms of human activity... And the second was to recapture, as it were, the peculiar shape and colour of history, uh, as it must have seemed to the men uh, who lived it. So we'll leave that there for now. And then the second preface uh, is a user's note. This is my user's note. Uh, In his essay on the discourse of history, Roland Barthes wrote that objectivity was a particular form of imaginary uh, projection, the product of what we might call the referential illusion. since the historian goes out of her or his way uh, to allow the referent to speak for itself. Historical facts uh, are most often presented per se, right? um, quite without acknowledgement of the hunt or the joy thereof. And as a result, the historian's voice becomes all the stronger, all the more uh, authoritative, uh, by virtue of its inaudibility. What follows here uh, is the outlining of the very early stages of a, of a peculiar research project um, one based around a strange question, with stress placed on um, uh, on my immediate concerns as to the viability of my approach. Um, not even a work in progress, the present paper is something akin to preliminary doodles. Um, the aim in presenting such a thing is to shine light on the doing, uh, with a decentering of the historian and a reenchantment of the historical referent. The desired effects. So I'll begin. Um, My strange question, what was the colour of the 1990s, is a way for me to uh, start asking more strange questions and has as its initial inspiration another slightly less strange question, one which I'm very fond of putting to students, viz, what was your first political memory? By uh, political memory, I I mean first memory of there being this exalted sphere, politics, big P, uh, comprising usually men uh, who made decisions that somehow affected your life. My own answer to this question takes me back to December 1991. and I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of fantastical, but I, I see this moment, this, this realisation that there's a thing called politics as the child's awakening to dialectics. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> um, my own answer to this question takes me back to December 1991 and to uh, Woolpit, uh, just outside of Bury St Edmunds in West Suffolk. I'm watching the news with my father, or else watching my father watch the news, and the first item on the bulletin has to do with John Major negotiating the terms of Britain's entry into the European Union in Maastricht. Um, and if you remember the Prime Minister's securing of opt-out clauses on the um, uh, the single currency in the social chapter led to him declaring a game-set-and-match victory for, uh, <laughs> for the country. Oh, my father said, John Major has been abroad. I thought the country seemed a lot less grey today. Um, a recent exchange of text messages with my dad, however, uh, revealed that for him, even grey is pretty generous when it comes to describing the years that followed. Quote, the 90s feel pretty black. Um, even when Margaret Thatcher left, there was a kind of bleak. And I've noticed that I use the word bleak five times in this paper. And I don't know what, to, I don't know what that, that means, but uh, hey, count them. Um, the 92 election was a low. How could people be so dumb to put the Tories in again? Major was a fool unless briefed up to the eyeballs. When Blair got in, a person I knew said all of London wanted to talk to each other. The Soviet monochrome had lifted. Thus was provided the first answer to my strange question, what was the colour of the 1990s, which I now ask most everyone I meet. In asking mischievously and awkwardly about colour, I am very obviously following in the footsteps of Michel Louris, who in a 1938 address to the Paris-based College of Sociology asserted that an exact understanding of oneself uh, it is amongst the most sacred things uh, one can possibly aim for, and that, therefore, we should all be searching deep into our memories to, quote, discern the colour of the very notion of the sacred. And in the hands of the Australian anthropologist, uh, this became the question and book, uh, what colour is the sacred? So in part, I'm almost angling here for history as therapy, uh, for all but one of my first memories resides in what I'm perfectly happy to call the 90s. Uh, I'm not exactly attempting to write a history of France here, but I sympathise, nevertheless, with Michelet's struggle uh, outlined by Edmund Wilson uh, to describe the peculiar shape and colour uh, of history as lived, and I wish to put colour specifically at the forefront of my analysis. Um, this is where this is where my toes uh, come in, and you're stepping there on. Um, but thank you. Chief among my tools for rethinking modes of contemporary history, for grasping at that which is uh, so near and yet so far away is Jeff Dyer's beautifully bleak 1989 novel about life in Brixton, The Colour of Memory, which, like André Breton's Nadia or the gangster movie, takes the city as a lead character. And it co-stars, as we've just heard, a sort of historical moment, uh, an 80s, a mid-to-late 80s, during when, coincidentally, my father also lived in Brixton. A reading of The Colour of Memory in conjunction with the initial spoils of my uh, asking, my incessant asking about The Colour of the 90s, go some way in explaining what sort of history it is that I wish to write. The sort of history I am aiming for uh, is a social one, the work of a thousand hands to borrow from Raphael Samuel. I'm interested in the coalescing of analysis uh, and recollection, however vague, faulty or rose-tinted. Talk about the colour of memory, right? A central tactic of which is the collaging of responses to this question um, as to the colour of the 90s. Uh, responses garnered in both relatively formal workshop environments and as part of day-to-day conversation. Now those first workshops broke down, and, I, and, I, and as I say this I feel like breaking down is, is the wrong way to put it, as if I'm being critical, um, but I'm going to stick with it n- uh, nevertheless. They broke down into a series of exact recollections. Uh, the colours of memories uh, more than the colour of memory. For example, the orange of Nickelodeon, the grey of England's uh, kit, which they wore to, uh, when they lost again, uh, in penalties in Euro 96, a donkey coloured blue pinned to a classroom wall as an aid to understanding US politics, white Nikes, always white Nikes, the grey and orange of Danny Boyle's train spotting, not to mention the video for Beck's Loser, uh, and Chelsea's Ghastly Away kit from 1994 to 1996. One student's burgundy bedroom, quote, everything was fucking burgundy. Most enchanting for me was the wistful recollection um, of a yellow chair belonging to a participant's next-door neighbour in her childhood town of Lancaster, PA. When I asked at the uh, very end of this first session, teasingly, whether or not we might come up with some sort of consensus on my strange question, um, there was an instant, almost unanimous vote for purple, a a colour which hitherto had not even been mentioned. Um, So that I was dealing with a type of oral history with which I was... um, unfamiliar was clear, and that I was also, in some sort of small-c-conservative way, quite uh, uncomfortable with this material, um, was clearer yet. These are fragments, fragments shot through with colour, something out of which the colour of memory is constructed too. A dog's frightened eye shining red, fireworks exploding green, red and yellow, piss-coloured wallpaper, the petrol station blue sky, Freddy's pale yellow shirt with splashes of black, the bus driver's pale blue shirt the narrator's newly, uh, newly magnolia walls, magnolia being not even not a colour, or clouds flecked with lemon or pink becoming bruised purple. Um, the book did not start out as a novel, explains Dyer in the uh, uh, previously mentioned uh, preface to the tw- uh, 2012 revision of, of The Colour of Memory, noting that uh, for those expecting a plot, it never adequately uh, became one. Uh, and, it, and, and I'm interested in this thing about the fact that it started life as the Brixton Diaries, Um, and then became sort of fictionalised so as to deploy the material to uh, better, more personal ends, was the the line. Um, For me, there are two scary things here. One is that, um, in this instance at least, the conceit of fiction allows for a more personal type of storytelling than does the real uh, diary. And the second connected, much scarier scary thing um, are are the implications uh, for the praxis of history, is it the case that fiction, uh, in which a story is rather implied, can handle fragments, can handle uh, the non-story, um, whilst history, say, which deals with real life, cannot get by without the motor of narrative? Plots are what get people killed, uh, we are advised, in The Colour of Memory. Generally, the plots are the worst things about books. Earlier on in the novel, uh, we are told that in the movies, there are only the large consequences of plot. Uh, the mess is cleared up offstage by screen hands by stagehands. And I wish, again, to say two things here. The first is that the colour of memory, for me, is a conscious attempt of m- at movie-proofing a text. Uh, Joseph Brooker calls it, you, um, in a previous article, uh, called it uh, switching narrative off. Um, that to translate this, w- this sort of giddy mix of aphorisms and the humdrum to the big screen would require such substantial changes as to render it not the colour of memory at all. Um, you'd have to introduce a plot, for instance. Uh, um, point two is that it's not just Hollywood which hopskips from cause to effect. Um, history has to do something similar too. Um, the offstage cleaning up of mess, perhaps another neater way of describing what Bart uh, terms the referential illusion. The color of memory thus suggests itself as a potential model for historical writing, one with Barthian overtones. When the narrator describes the book as being like a series of snapshots wherein and whereby background details absorb and transform, no less than are uh, transformed and absorbed by uh, the principal action, we're in third meaning territory. Switch off the commands of narrative and the anxiety of the central and significant and see what kind of history comes through, directed Brooker a, a while ago. Um, and I well, The present work here is an attempt to take up this challenge, but I kind of want to say, uh, easier said than done, mate, you know. Um, as, as you'll see. I now offer, in the spirit of showing the doing, two very early attempts, um, two very kind of emerging themes from my asking about the colour, uh, of, of, mem- uh, colour of the 90s. And this is, this is precisely the sort of history which is coming through from attempting to shut off narrative. Green is my first theme, green. Amstrad green was one participant's colour of the 90s. Frogger green uh, and others. In other words, the green of burgeoning technology, as in night vision equipment, the use of which by mainly American news networks during the first Gulf War, was a major innovation and heralded in a whole new audiovisual grammar uh, for live reporting right at the beginning of the 1990s. As the disposable heroes of hypocrisy put it, uh, armchair generals could now enjoy the excitement of video warfare. But there is green per se, and there is green as synonym for something like environmental concern. Multiple participants uh, raved about jungle or tropical rainforest green. Uh, these are colours which were formulated by Crayola in 1993 and 1990, respectively. Um, and one recalled painting a kitchen rainforest green in the early 90s, whilst another uh, insisted simply that the rainforest was so 90s. The rainforest was so 90s. Um, hence, hence green, the colour of the 90s, as a theme for environmental design's 5th Annual Symposium in 1991. Uh, and hence interest from the market, too. Uh, For business, reads the leader in B.C. Business, Volume 18, 1990, green is the colour of the 90s. If you're a typical business executive, uh, um, you're already asking the question, how green is my company? The title of this article is No Question About It, all in capital letters. Um, A mid-decade report by the Chicago Tribune on the 13th of October 1996, meanwhile, suggests that how green is my car um, was becoming an increasingly important question too. One auto industry expert noted that the soaring popularity of greens, in particular dark greens, was of a piece with the quote, outdoorsy appeal of sports utility vehicles. Since when do cars drive inside anyway, right? Um, meanwhile, a colour and trim expert at Toyota observed green has been the colour of the 1990s. Green then uh, seems well placed to expose contradiction. Um, on the one hand, green is just green, that is a colour. Uh, on the other, it is in constant metonymic service to Mother Earth. Um, but some things just do not look good in green. In order for a colour to uh, to function symbolically, wrote David Batchelor in the latest issue of Art Quarterly, it has to be reduced, generalised, simplify, simplified and flattened. Green as colour, I want to suggest, uh, does a good job at resisting symbolic misappropriation um, attempts to so flatten it precisely because it is so charged with meaning. Take the Reform Party of Canada, um, antecedent to that country's present-day Conservative Party. Formed in 87 with a distinct red and white maple leaf logo, uh, at the turn of the decade a decision was made to rebrand in green, green being described in a 1991 book on the rise of the party and its leader, Preston Manning, as the hot colour of the 90s. Quote, for us, green denotes growth and vibrancy and freshness, explained Manning's executive uh, assistant. Uh, In more recent years, Manning has been a forceful advocate of green conservatism, um, insisting in 2008, two months before the collapse of Lehman Brothers, that the market knows best when it comes to the regulation of natural resources in North America. Theme number two, grey, black. Talk about colours as symbols. Consider poor white and black bachelor urges, pre-flattened colours who thus generally do well when they stand in for grand things like good and evil. Um, it is black I want to consider here, um, it was the first answer to my strange question, what was the colour of the 1990s after all, um, along with grey, another byword for empty, bleak, end times, such as in the nothing grey uh, nothing happening grey of the sky, described in the colour of memory. Um, the point is not the colour of the 90s, but a widely perceived lack of of colour um, of or in the 90s by those questioned, with black and grey working symbolic overtime in order to get the doom and gloom message over. And when I recently asked a friend of mine in upstate New York, uh, my strange... This is the third time that upstate New York's been mentioned. <laughs> How improbable. Um, when I recently asked a friend uh, in upstate New York uh, my strange question, she instantly replied black, before adding then again I've got a migraine coming on. Um, so for some, like my father, the 90s lack of colour um, had to do with the proximity to Margaret Thatcher's premiership, the ending of which, in 1990, did little by way of long-term cheer. A removal of colour was how how one workshopper uh, put it, whilst for another, it simply sufficed to say, in response to my strange question, black. Um, Back in 1993, meanwhile, Sir Roy Strong told Country Life magazine, uh, (laughs) anything could be an improvement on this depressing grey. We live in a grey era, the grey 90s, grey cars, and a Prime Minister who looks like a peahen. Yet the grey 90s was precisely the phrase used, too, by Paul Johnson, arch-right-wing polemicist, who devoted a whole spectator column that same year to this theme. For him, uh, post-Thatcher Britain was also a depressing place. Writing in the shadow of Black Wednesday, uh, Johnson began, We're living in the grey 90s. The grey oozes relentlessly out of the stratosphere, enveloping all five continents in its dingy murk, dimming colour, killing glamour, extinguishing adventure. Trump is dead, Maxwell dead, Bond finished, Maggie and Lord King in Huffy retirement. John Major, by contrast, was our own monochrome monochrome man. Uh, Later he bemoans that (laughs) our children are being educated to grow up in a grey world where everyone is equal um, and suggests that it's not just a recession which makes this world so grey, and I promise this is the last time I'm going to uh, quote Paul Johnson, um, but a sense of inescapability. Uh, Quote, there is nowhere else to go which is allowed or is not the same uh, or worse. Shangri-La has disappeared under a pile of colour mags. Thus, conf- uh, thus confusingly ends a generally confusing article in which grey is used as metaphor for most everything bad, uh, not least colour magazines. <laughs> um, I began with Bart, and it's in in my attempt to sort of start to wind this down and go towards the conclusion, uh, I should return to him. But I admit, I have to admit that my enthusiasm for him uh, began to wane somewhat as I as I recalled the author on colour, a coating in his view, a type of scrim uh, applied later on to the original truth um, of the black and white photograph. Uh, photograph, And I'm very unhappy with that word, truth. Um, colour is an artifice, he says, uh, a cosmetic like the kind used to paint corpses. There's no doubt that colour can be so used uh, and that it has agency uh, in the direction of authenticity and history. Um, take World War I in colour uh, and later World War II in colour HD, the Kenneth Branner a narrated series using a colorized film, quote, to give the, feel, the audience the feel of how it really looked back during the war. Which is an awful sentence. Um, the excitement of video warfare, right? Um, this is surely an example, and a very successful one, uh, of what Tausig takes to be a particularly Western adult understanding of color as a surface layer added to pre-existing form, not as, in Benjamin's view, uh, something fluid, the medium of all changes. But it's precisely that former take on colour which seems built into Bart's criticism. The problem is that this resistance to colour, which uh, recalls early critiques by photographers like Paul Strand as outlined uh, in the ongoing mem- uh, moment, does not shine with Bart's concern for historical facts, or moreover, the third meaning. Consider the implications of green being planned or anticipated as the colour of the 90s by environmental groups no less than business leaders and the Canadian right. How is the burning question? Who says that, uh, say, chartreuse will be the colour of the year, Ask the authors of uh, Design and Practice for Printed Textiles, a 1994 primer. Who decided that colours for the 90s will have an environmental feel, uh, implying the use of natural dyes and unbleached natural fibres? Their answer uh, leads us to colour forecasting, an art which is made not the slightest bit less mysterious by its being the practice of respectable uh, and not at all mysterious sounding Bodies like the International Colour Authority and the Colour Association of the United States. <laughs> um, quite the opposite. Such private organisation of the predicting, which, which must uh, surely mean in part the creating of, of trends, rather terrifies. This is the invisible hand at work, uh, smoothing over fluctuations in the market and picking out the dress I should be wearing this season in one deft movement. My point is that the referential illusion might likewise be called invisible hand history a mode of presentation in which the distant uh, narrative voice alides the work uh, of Raphael Samuel's Thousand Hands, uh, history being for him, for Samuel, the promiscuous drawing upon sources such as real-life experiences, but also memory and myth, uh, fantasy and desire. So history is really collage, uh, a juxtaposing of all, these, uh, of all these source types and more, with the end image being the result of sturdy logical analysis mixed with gut-level aesthetic choices. This is the struggle to describe the peculiar shape and colour of history um, as lived. Edmund Wilson was speaking in in, in metaphor, no doubt, but it's precisely that ability of colour or colours to flip between being symbol uh, and literality that makes the asking of strange questions, like what was the colour of the 90s, imperative. It's a way of giving recognition uh, to the fragment uh, by considering it in conjunction with fellow fragments. In other words, thinking as a collage artist might... And as to why we should be doing that, as to why we should be thinking like collage artists, witness collage artist and songwriter Robert Pollard intuiting, by the by, his answer um, many years ago. Quote, I can see what's been lost when I'm making collages. The older the magazines are, the better the images are. The 60s and the earlier stuff is cool. Then you see 70s stuff and it's not quite as interesting in colour and tone. And the images from the 80s lose even more. I choose not to enter the realm where things have become so much less human and warmth is being lost. You know, this is the sort of thing which you can't intuit in the archives, not necessarily. It depends, what, it depends on your definition of archive, I guess, but it's not, this, isn't, this isn't bread and butter for the historian, I don't think. So no wonder Bart said that the third meaning eluded him. No wonder Nietzsche wrote in The Gay Science that, quote, all that has given colour to existence still lacks a history, because how on earth does one go about writing such a history? Which finally brings us back to the colour of memory. Quote, Nietzsche said that. Did he fuck? Thank you. That was Morgan Daniels thinking about the colour of the 1990s. The Colour of Memory conference was covered by Pod Academy, and there are more talks, a reading, and a Q&A with the author on podacademy.org. This podcast was produced by me, Joe Barrett, for Pod Academy with Isabella Guotto.